Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm the official Tignataro of this podcast. What, you guys didn't know? My audio, every episode, it gets spliced in last minute to replace Joseph. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> but Joseph is not the Chris Delia of this podcast. I do want to make that abundantly clear. Joseph, we are not but, saying but that who about are you. you. <laughs> and I'm Britain, and I guess I'm the Nora Arnzetter of this podcast. <laughs> the one who not a lot of people know who they are, but they're kind of cultured. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like a month from now, none of this is going to make sense to anyone. It's going to already oh, be. I don't know. Long I think the, the MTV will scoop it up. Scoop what up? Best kiss between a zombie and another zombie, or something. Yeah. So this podcast, much like Army of the Dead, is is sort of a hybrid of genres. We are a movie discussion podcast. We're also kind of a hangout, laid back, chill out, SoCal mm-hmm. homie podcast and we're also uh car talk <laughs> and sort of a a socal pal zone <laughs> which is a reference to <clears throat> to parks and recreation um radio never can, heard of it anything else be good I think I think Palzone is going to be the name of the club I start for tweens, <laughs> where they can come and just hang oh, and out. Like, finally, a place. Disney. Is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're replacing the Hall of Presidents. No one cares about that. Palzone only. The president. The, to oh, be clear, man. the president and animatronics will still be at the club. <laughs> the kids are into that. TV yeah, but they're all gonna be, they're all gonna be cool and have like shades and say things like. You got it, dude. Four score and seven years ago, my <laughs> homies and I, et cetera, et cetera. History is and cool. They'll be saying all of this at the juice bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We've nothing to fear but, a, 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 I don't know, a, the skate park being in a, closed. In a twist of cruel <laughs> irony, uh, George, wh- who, wh- wh- William Henry Harrison, Some there's a Harrison in there. William Hint- well, yeah, William the guy who uh, died uh, because he ate a bunch of uh, berries? Oh, that might be him, yeah, actually. He's, he's whoever that, whichever president that is, he's the one who's serving uh, the, the drinks at the juice bar. So. <laughs> <laughs> I that, really that, thought. That is his... I desperately thought you were trying to segue that into the movie we were <laughs> no, watching. No, not at all. We'll, we'll just okay. run with this. We'll, we'll go as far as we can. I'd really like to make this as dense and an impenetrable a podcast opening as possible, so we just lose everybody. Uh, and then we can... I mean, I'm pretty sure we do that every oh, episode anyway. Zachary Taylor. Zachary Taylor died. Uh, he drank iced water and consumed large quantities of cherries yeah. and other fruits. Um, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was okay. just, he was just ahead of his time, man. He missed he really out on was. the juice bars. Um, man, I tell you, they... The, the heroes of this movie, they could use the pal zone because <laughs> they were in the opposite of one. <laughs> S- sort of an enemy fortress. Um, and not even a team fortress. <laughs> we're talking I'm, I'm, We're talking about I'm the gonna, Hunger I'm Games. Gonna, I'm going to make, make a firm step here and move us on. Hunger, Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. The one and only. <laughs> um, 
There's actually four of them. The Hunger Games, directed by Gary Ross from 2012. It has an 84% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 81% audience score. Unlike... Everyone's forgotten about The Hunger Games, but not us. The Hunger Games, unlike... The Thirsty Games, uh, which are fun activities you can play while waiting on your drink to be served at the juice bar in downtown Disney's Palzone. <laughs> it's just like little mazes and word finds. Four. But like Mickey's face is on it or whatever. <laughs> Look, it says fidget spinner in the corner, but it's backwards. I really had to, to use my noggin on that one. <laughs> Alex, would you like to keep us on topic and say your best and worst thing about the Hunger Games, the film? Yeah. Uh sure. Uh quick question though. Um, who has read the books? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a no you just refuse to answer or no you haven't read the books? <laughs> <laughs> that was no, I haven't read the books. Okay. That was very declarative. I just wanted to make sure. The movie's tone, and not not to spoil one of my best things about this, the movie's tone is very uh, opposite from what we're talking about right now. So I think we're this is sort of a of a therapy. We're we're, we're easing you into this chat involving kid death. <laughs> uh, I have read the books. It has been quite a while. I remember really enjoying them at the time, but a yeah, lot of that I'm knowledge has boat. kind of faded. I will say. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. It's interesting comparing my viewing of this because I've only seen this movie, I think, twice. Once in the theater and then once now. And uh, yeah, same here. In the theater was like right after or close after I had read the books. So I remember being a more nitpicky and, and like, oh, that detail's not sure that, you know, there's this thing you left out from the book and thus you are bad. Like, I remember being watching it with that type of lens. And it's nice to have divorced myself from that. Yeah. Because I like this movie quite a bit. <laughs> how, how many of the books had come out when the first movie was released? Ooh, that's a good I question. believe all three of them had, had come out. Had they? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I remember with Harry Potter, I think it was like the fourth book in the first movie. It, mm-hmm. was, it was that kind of... Because people were asking her, like, are you going to change anything now that you have the actors cast and stuff like that? Yeah. But uh, that's interesting. Because the book series is a trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, okay. they, they all yeah. would have been This out. is one of the cases where... They take the last book and they split it up yeah. for money. Although it actually works <laughs> out kind of well, if I remember correctly. Anyways, they, we'll get they to They all it. had come out well, actually, in advance. They, so the last one had come out in 2010. So Oh, wow. I think it said like yeah. early 2010. So they would have they would have had all most of the knowledge. I mean, not that I think they really have to change too much. It, the, the trilogy, I remember definitely feeling like it wasn't a... Uh, I'm kind of making this up as I go along. I'm supposed to write a sequel to this. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like there was a a full, thought out, yeah. story to the yeah. to the overall uh, series. Um, so I don't think they would have had to take that into consideration too much. But they, I think they had the full story when they were making this. That's nice. Okay, cool. Um, my best thing, because like I already gave away, I I like this movie quite a bit. I don't think it's perfect. I think it's got a number of problems, but we'll get into that. Uh, I think the best thing is the acting. Um, I think they just chose a lot of just like perfect people to inhabit those roles. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember watching the movie and not being distracted by anyone um, when comparing it to what I remembered from the books and feeling like everyone was, you know, fairly straight off the page. Tyler, you had mentioned in our group chat that (laughs) 
or you raise the question of, is this Jennifer Lawrence's best performance? And I kind of think it yeah. is. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a few things outside of, like, the X-Men movies, which, you know, her performance kind of declines as those movies go on. Um, Probably justifiably. But, you know, I've seen Silver Linings Playbook and yeah. American Hustle and a couple other things. I do kind of think this is her best role. Um, she feels so understated, mm-hmm. and she's using just her face to emote in a lot of places, yeah. which I, I feel like in some other places, in some other movies, she's... It's the red letter media thing that I like to often pull in of like Leonardo DiCaprio's school of drama where shouting is drama. Um, I feel like she's guilty of that sometimes. Um, and in this, like the role is completely different from uh, from that style of acting. Like it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I think the acting overall from everyone is really, really good. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't think President Coin really or Coin. I'm giving myself away. Um I have read the books. Um, President Snow, um, <laughs> Donald Sutherland's character. Um, I don't think he plays as much of a part in the first book as he does mm. in the in the movie. I so it was right. nice gotcha. having more of a presence from him, kind of knowing where everything goes, having him kind of early on. And mm. even like yeah. Wes Bentley's character, I think might get mentioned like once or twice. He's not like a kind of main character like he is in this. Um but yeah, Josh Hutcherson's pretty good. Um, yeah, I like him. Liam Hemsworth is Liam Hemsworth. He's there. He's he's just supposed to be big. <laughs> like it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I like the acting kind of across the board. Um, that yeah. Woody oh, Harrelson, Woody Harrelson, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, they all do. Duh. They all do really well. Um, Banks is so like it's only been in recent years that I've realized how talented she is. Yeah, and how she, mm-hmm. how dependable a performer she is. Yeah, she's fantastic. Agreed. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll quit rambling because I've been rambling. Um, acting, best thing. Uh, worst thing, um, the movie feels kind of cheap. And I feel like this becomes less of a problem as it goes. Um, in the movie's defense, most of it takes place in the woods. So it kind of, you know, I kind of give it a pass for that because the story just kind of, you know, leads that way. Uh a lot of the digital work was not good. Um, probably yeah. the biggest example of that is when they have the the kind of celebration or, you know, all the champions are kind of showing up in their chariots um, in this huge, massive arena with all these these crowds cheering them on. And, and you've got the President Snow sitting up on top of his throne watching them come in. And uh, Katniss and Peeta have their... I feel like it's described differently in the book, but I can't remember. It, it's their their um, wardrobe that they're wearing. It, it like it, it appears to be on fire, but it's not really. Um, right. It looks very very rough, mm-hmm. um, and I just felt that for most of the digital work, um, the animals at the end, the the kind of semi dog monster things were not great, and yeah. I remember them being a lot more. A lot of this is going to be, I remember a thing either being better or worse in the book. <laughs> um, but I remember them being almost like taking on characteristics of some of the, the tributes that I, had uh, gotten killed. Hmm. I, I, that is spoilers. Uh, and I can, I guess I can actually just go off this unless you have more to say about the effects. But uh, that is my worst thing. The, the Those dog creatures? The dogs. Okay. Yeah. So if you have other thoughts, um, get this out. Um, 
but I will follow up with that. Yeah, just just low production values in terms of like when they actually get to the capital and all that. Um, I feel like a lot of the sets don't feel great. Um, a lot of the props, like the swords, don't look right. Mm-hmm. They all look kind of Hollywood prop ish. Um, so yeah, I think that's improved upon in the sequels. And you know, I don't know, you know, starting out if they didn't pump a whole lot of money into this. I know it's a Lionsgate film. Um, so I don't know if it was just uh, like, we'll give just you some money up. and we'll see how it goes. And then once this movie made bank, then they kind of invested more in the other films. Um, but yeah, just kind of, it feels a little cheap. <laughs> this one, apparently the budget was 78 million, oh, wow. which is, I think that I feel like that yeah, feels sure. about right for the production value and kind of everything that they, they do with it. Cause there are, there is a lot of practical like designs yeah. and stuff. Um, things they have to actually create, uh, but the the next three were all like 125 million yeah. plus, so they, they definitely took a step up after that. Um, yeah, I I don't have a lot of uh, kind of like you, I think, Alex. I don't have a lot of big like, oh, this is a big sweeping problem with this film. Um, but the one thing that bothered me most was the dogs. Um, and the reason it bothered me is because you're right, uh, and I did have to look this up to confirm and make sure my brain was telling the truth uh the dogs have they take on the faces and like i think maybe the voices of the contestants oh, that have been wow. killed yeah. already in the book that's it's real weird um and they look freaky like they're supposed to be like crazy mutated and like they're they're basically torturing the remaining yeah. contestants because they're reminding them of the their their dead friends or enemies that's some annihilation um, stuff right there yeah yeah and in the movie they just look like these big sort of gross bulldog-esque things um and they look quite bad now yeah like the the cgi i don't i don't remember being that distracted at the time i probably wouldn't have had a very discerning eye for it um when this first came out but like they they look pretty bad the the effect itself not even the design although the design doesn't help the effect just doesn't look well like composited i guess would be the term um and i i think at that at that point you should just use wolves or something yeah (laughs) just 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 be like oh they they've used fire earlier cool you know that makes sense for them to unleash in a forest setting now you unleash some wolves that that's another thing they had mean hornets (laughs) You know, like you don't I know that they're trying to kind of play into the fact that there are mutated animals and stuff. But I think in this case, you could just say they're wolves and they've been trained to, you know, they're they're meaner than other wolves because of X, Y or Z reason. Um, That was that was, I think, the only thing in the movie that really made me go. Step back and be like, I I don't love that. I think that that was a a mistake in terms of adapting, Um, especially with knowing the budget. Um, and I know that there would have been people who love the books who would have been like, why didn't you do the other thing? I don't think the other idea would be super well adaptable into a, a movie that otherwise is very, very grounded. Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I don't think. And, and it has a fairly young that. demographic it's going for. There are a few mm-hmm. things I noticed that seem to just work better on the page than they do being sure. put in live action. Like her finding PETA who's like painted him painted himself up to be camouflaged mm-hmm. in the rock yeah. or the mud. It doesn't, it looks goofy. Um, yeah. 
And it's a it's a practical yeah. effect. I'm pretty sure it, it's it looks silly. silly. <laughs> um, and like reading the book, you just imagine it. Like it, it right. right? There's yeah. the suspension of disbelief. It, it, it's just not a problem there because it's all in your head. And I can't say I can't say the disguise wouldn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he would he would have been well, also well you hidden, imagine but... it differently. Like maybe it's more like he he there was a bunch of grass and and some mud and he just covered himself in mud. But it looks like he's like gotten mm-hmm. a paintbrush and like detailed like <laughs> the paint yeah. on him like it just doesn't look right <laughs> yeah um as far as best thing i i think it's the world building overall um which is kind of surprising to me because i i really expected to come back to this and be um my, my with my world weary uh cynical brain and be like oh this is you know None of this works anymore. Now it's all, you know, I realize now that it's all very juvenile. Um, I know I've, I, I don't think we have any plans to do that. I divergent series. We're not a hundred percent sure if they made uh, three of those movies, but I remember watching the first one of those not too long ago, just cause it was on or, or like somehow I ended up watching some of that and thinking it was just not well presented and, and felt very like immature in terms of what, why the world was designed the way it was. This I think is actually really interesting. And I especially think if Suzanne Collins had kind of the full view of where she was going with this story, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, Cause basically the idea being that they've got all these districts and they're supposed to be presenting this, you know, uh, a, a fair agreement uh, by killing 24 yeah. children, <laughs> 23 children, I guess every year. Um, and the fact that ultimately like this is actually way worse for some of the districts and the others, like for some of them, it's like, Oh, this is this great honor because we actually aren't that affected by a lot of the decisions that are made. Um, and, and we're all like very wealthy and we're kind of able to prepare for this. Well, as opposed to the poor districts where, uh, this is literally just, yeah, we're sending some people off to die and, you know, we have no way of, uh, saying hey this this is still not a great situation for us like we 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 don't want to agree to this but we have to because you beat us in a rebellion or whatever um that's i think that's actually a, a cool premise and i think that the way the movie really really focuses on the differences between the poorer districts and the capital and showing like i really like the costumes in the capital yeah. um i like the way people dress because it doesn't feel completely ridiculous and I think if the movie had had a higher budget, there would have been mm. a very good chance of it kind of overproducing them. I, I'll have to, I'll be curious to see if they feel like they match in the following movies. But I think with this, it feels like this is what a society that has a ton of wealth, yeah, uh, you know, a hundred years advanced or whatever from where we are right now. This is what their high fashion could look like. Like it, it, the material doesn't look completely outlandish. It just looks like. These are some kind of zany costumes. There's a lot of crazy makeup and stuff and, and hairdos um, in a way that I think makes the world feel very lived in. And it especially carves out the the vibe, the feeling of the people in the capital being very, very insular yeah. <laughs> from anything else that's going on. Um, and it, I mean, it feels like realistic and grounded in a way that's almost uh, sad and uncomfortable because that is the way a lot of things are yeah. uh, in, in our world. Um, yeah, it's... It, I, I was impressed by how much it really drives into that. And the fact that I had forgotten we see an actual riot 
attempt uh, like a like a revolution happen in i think it's district yeah 11 which i don't think is in um, the book either because i completely forgot about the that book is all first mm-hmm. person from katniss's point of view mm. so i don't think we get any of that right. external politics stuff and like i said west bentley's character is the kind of game maker kind of overseeing everything that's completely not that's that's made for the movie yeah and like you mentioned having president snow more involved with those decisions and kind of like bouncing off of him to be like, Hey, you're making some bad decisions here. Cause the goal of this is to keep everyone feeling a little bit hopeful, but not like enough, not to the point where they feel like they can start right. a revolution. Spoilers. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was, I was really surprised by that, that like, they were able to weave him in more as kind of this insidious overarching character that represents a lot of what the society tries to do to the other districts um, to keep them oppressed, basically. My turn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I really liked this. I saw it in the theater nine, 10 years ago. I haven't read the books and I, I remember at the time being, you know, really affected by it. But it's it's been since since then that I've seen it. So I wasn't really sure how I was gonna how I was gonna feel about it this time. Uh, I'm gonna say my best thing is Gary Ross, just overall uh, mm-hmm. the director, because I was really happy and impressed, happy with and impressed by just how mature the movie is and how serious it is without being overly earnest. I feel like because this is what happens. When you get when something is a trendsetter, it later gets like blamed for the faults of the things that cashed in on its success. And mm-hmm. and I, I haven't seen the rest of the this uh, franchise, so I may not like any of the next three movies. Um, but I feel like this one, you know, sparked like pe- people went, "Oh, we can make movies out of Divergent and the Mortal Instruments uh, uh, books." I'm still and not convinced that the Maze Runners ended. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I think that a lot of those sort of... And, and I don't know anything about those book series, so I'm not criticizing those authors, but those movies really just felt like cash grabs, and they really felt like, hey, we'll do like they did the Hunger Games and Harry Potter and go and just, I don't know, whatever. It felt like they were you know, made by committee, and it felt kind of perfunctory, like nobody really cared. But this movie really feels like Gary Ross and the screen, the, the writing team, it was in Billy Ray and Suzanne Collins worked on the script, said, okay, what, what what's this about and how do we do it i loved the camera work i liked that a lot of it was close up a lot of the performances are done tight it's not um i mean there are big shots but the movie is not this big hollywood pageant kind of going back to what you mentioned about it being a little cheaper i think in some ways that really helped my impression of the movie because that closeness made the movie feel a lot more immediate and it made it feel a lot more dire and kind of uh scrappy in, in a way um, and mm-hmm. I, I just liked that this movie manages to really understand that that less is more in a way with the violence because it's YA that teen tween demographic is such a hard needle to thread because you know with kids movies like we do with Toy Story nobody expects those to get really intense. So they can sneak up on you and really hit you. Mm-hmm. And with movies aimed at adults, 
you, you do expect them to do that because they have more room. They have more, they can get more violent and address these darker subjects more directly. But YA is this tough kind of middle ground where you go, you know, teenagers are, are, are smart and should be respected. And so should the art that's made by and for them. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a genre, so there's bad stuff everywhere. But I really like that this movie went, we're not going to overdo the violence, but we are going to make it very clear. And in a, in a lot of movies, I'm sure movies we've already reviewed on this show, I would complain about not being able to see what is going on in the fight scenes. I don't know what was happening. It was too blurry. It was too close up. It was too herky-jerky. In this movie, I thought that worked really, really well because I don't want to watch kids kill each other. <laughs> and sure. I, I think the movie did such a good job of showing, of getting across, like, these are innocents. Until they, until this time in their lives, they're innocent. May, maybe 11 and 12, you can quibble with that. But, like, that little redhead girl running around and the curly-headed blonde kid, those are just kids who are just randomly picked out of the scene to literally fight to the death. Like, I remember in the theater, the footage from the past Hunger Game where the kid was bashing the other kid's head in with a rock, like, really bothered me. And this, uh, watching it this time, I was like, oh, okay, it's not as graphic as I remembered it. But what that meant was it, it communicated so much to me that I made it more graphic in my mind. Mm-hmm. And r- right when the Hunger Games starts, I mean, kids are getting stabbed and slashed and thrown on the ground. I mean, it's horrible. And I really like that the movie went, we're going to do this quick. It's going to be jumbled because it's chaotic. We're going to... I loved the music in the movie. I thought it was really well chosen. We're going to you know, kind of faded and out of Katniss hearing and seeing and understanding what's going on. And it really worked on me. And I liked that the movie didn't think, well, we need to go hardcore with this, but we also uh, can't play it too gentle because then we don't make the point. I think that threaded that needle really, really nicely. Um, there, there, there's a lot more that I could, <laughs> because I chose the director, I can put a lot of things under this umbrella. Um, so I'll kind of cap <laughs> sure. it there and we'll, we'll explore the rest of it. Basically, I love the way he shot it. And I, I liked the movie felt mature and serious without feeling melodramatic, which I think a lot of poorly done YA stories can feel that way. Um, I've been, re- I've been uh, watching Supergirl, which is a show that I really, really like. But let's be honest, the Arrowverse shows, they're YA shows. That's not a bad thing to be, but they're mm-hmm. YA shows. And they can get pretty overwrought and cheesy at times that maybe they don't always intend to. And there, I didn't really get any of that with this. Um, as for a worse thing, it, it, it's kind of tough for me to parse this out because it's... I'm going to say it's the length, but at the same time, I think mm-hmm. it's... Because re- it's almost two and a half hours. It went by pretty quick for me. I watched it in one sitting. Like, it didn't really bother me. Yeah. But it's weird to me that as long as it is, it still feels like there are things that aren't fleshed out enough. And I think a lot of that is just the hazard of adapting a book to a movie. Specifically, right. I, for me, it was Rue, who mm-hmm. I, again, having not read the book, I, I, I imagine it's like a Neville situation in the first Harry Potter movie, where in the book, that moment at the end where Neville stands up to Aaron and Hermione is is like a big deal because... It's a book. You can you can have all these little mentions and kind of updates on Neville throughout the book. It doesn't they don't feel distracting, but in a movie you have to be a lot choosier about, well, what do we put the camera on and what scenes do we use? And and in this I was like, Rue is 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 cool and Amanda Stenberg is super endearing, so like I'm totally on the side of this character and it is sad when she dies, but it it all felt more like well, this is a device for Katniss and we just have to hit the main things because 
there's a lot of movie to get through. Um, and a lot of the stuff, I, I other stuff I feel like, well, maybe that'll get fixed in later movies. Gale isn't much of a character. I'm not bothered by that because I know I got sure. three movies. Um, there's a lot of like, of the commentary that I think is really well done, but it feels kind of shallow. We got three more movies. I feel like there are elements of this movie where I went, I totally understand what you're saying. I just wanted a richer experience of it. Um, really, I think with Rue is where it, it hit me the most. And a little bit with, is it Kato or Kano? Kato. Kato. Um, at the end, which we'll get into where I was like, wait, I like this, but I want you to explore this more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, so it's this weird blend of like, I don't want the movie to be longer but I do want it to. I, I want certain elements of it to be richer. Overall, I think it's a very rich movie, and I got a lot out of it. But for 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 what I was expecting to, like I I think that in terms of YA dystopia, this is easily one of the best ones that I've seen. It doesn't feel like a cash grab. It feels like a story they're trying to to tell and to tell effectively. And for me, it really succeeded in that. I think the main reason that this works. Um, even as a singular piece, not as a franchise, is the book works. Like, the source material mm -hmm. is there, and they don't mess it up. Like, this is a, a fairly accurate mm -hmm. retelling. Um, and, you know, talking about, you know, the adjustments to make more things present, some things pushed, you know, pushed to the wayside. Um, all that, that being said, you know, Tyler, this isn't like a case like um, the first two Harry Potter movies where they feel so slavishly tied to the books where it's like, we have to address literally every single plot point that happens in those. This doesn't mm -hmm. feel like that. And it does help that the hunger games is a simpler story overall than those. It's not like an intricate mystery. Right. Um, but the source material works and that's the biggest thing. And, and sure. I, I appreciate that Hollywood didn't get its grubby hands on, you know, a book property and be like, all right, yeah, but we, we got it. We got to change this. They can't be kids killing each other. We got to change right. this. We got to change this. We got to change this. No, no, no. This is, this is a fairly good telling. Like if you've read the book and you watch the movie, you know, if you're a little kid, you might be like how I was and like, Oh, that thing's not the same. And all. sure. All, sure. But then again, that's just like Twitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, sure. I, I feel like you can go from the book and watch this and, and pretty, you know, fluidly be like, no, that's a good adaptation. It's, that's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. That yeah. gets all the but, things that the book does right, the movie does right. And I'm really interested. Well, I think it's great that Suzanne Collins helped write the screenplay. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know what that right. literal process was like if you know, she got a writing credit and she was, but she was just in the room as Billy Ray and Gary Ross, I think co-wrote it if, if, as they were banging it out or what, but you um, keep seeing saying Billy Ray and my mind goes, it, it's either Billy Ray Cyrus or beta Ray bill. Like which way you want me to go? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Oh man, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, uh, Woody Harrelson said he based his performance off of Billy Ray Cyrus or at least his wig. Um, <laughs> I I also I I know that the second movie has a different writing team completely. It's double Academy. It's two Academy Award winners and Simon Beaufoy and Michael Arndt um, working on it. So uh, I and is it Francis Lawrence directs the next three movies? Yes. Okay, gotcha. 
Um, and I don't, so I, I don't remember that feeling super distracting from like a directing standpoint. Okay, cool, cool. Because I was a little concerned, not because I don't know anything about Francis Lawrence, um, and I like both of those screenwriters I mentioned, but like I don't. But watching a movie and getting such a strong sense of oh, I like the script and I like the way it's directed, knowing that that changes, yeah, is inevitably going to make me go, okay. Um, one of the things that I did want to ask about, because I remember this being like a huge sticking point for me back in 2012 when I saw this, I kept asking myself, why do we not have just Katniss narrating throughout the entire movie? Um, because mm. I remember that, you know, in terms of wanting to be faithful to the book, I, you know, going for that first person perspective and, and kind of constantly being in her head. Um, I was wondering if you guys felt like this was missing some sort of narration. I think in terms of just broad exposition of how the games work and all that, they're able to skirt around that between kind of Wes Bentley in the control room or, you know, Stanley Tucci uh, not being yeah. Graham Norton, uh, <laughs> you know, with Toby Jones kind of be like, oh, tracker jackers, they're like bees, yeah. but they're, that, they that, drive you crazy yeah. or whatever. Um, I think the movie is able to find creative ways to get around that, but I was... I was asking myself the question of why didn't mm -hmm. they just do a voiceover? Um, I, I was, I actually think it works better without it. Okay. Partially because I love the device of going back to the commentary. Yeah. Go, or going back to, uh, Stanley Tucci, who's great in this, by the way. Yes. <laughs> really fun. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's so weird that that's Toby Jones, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, I, I thought that was such a great touch to remind us that this is a TV show. And obviously, Woody Harrelson has that line about this is a TV show, but it really hammers home, like, guys, do you get this? Like, all of everything that we're watching is being treated as entertainment for these people. Right. And I think that was really effective. But the other thing I liked was how this movie didn't make the exposition too, too easy in the sense that... So, uh, I have actually been re-listening to our episode on Dune. Which is so it's funny that you mentioned narration <laughs> and how we were all three like, why are you narrating every single step you take? <laughs> but I remember there being a moment in this movie where it's it's one of the rounds of, of canon shots and they, they throw up the, the names and the faces of the fallen, which is I love they said the fallen because that's totally the cheesy rhetoric we use to pretend we're remembering somebody, but we're making it more about our how much <laughs> we respect them than <laughs> about the fact that they died. Um, I loved that, but, but they're, we're, uh, they're showing all these faces and Katniss is watching and Peta's name isn't, isn't in there. And so many movies and TV shows, whether they're YA or anything else would have had her say, Peta, Peta's okay. Or verbalize that in some way. Sure. And, and she doesn't, she, it, again, what you're saying about performance, it's all in her face. And I think the movie does a lot of that, like. We're not going to lay it on too heavy. There's a couple of m moments. There's like a bit where Peta says, my, my mom told me that we're going to have a chance we could win this year. She wasn't talking about me, Beat. She was talking about you. And I was like, Peta, we know. <laughs> like, we, we know she was talking. Yeah. But otherwise, I think this movie plays it. It doesn't talk down to the audience that way. And I think the narration... You could have run that risk. I'm not saying they would have committed that, but I think you, you run the risk of it being... No, I get it. Like, or I'm smart enough to be able to infer from the visuals what's what's happening, and I feel like they, like you said, they do a good enough job expositing everything and 
the world is pretty easy, pretty graspable. And you have that little crawler at the beginning that I was like, got it. Now I get it. it it's not like Blade Runner where you go, I don't know. I need someone to explain this to me. I was I was going to say, actually, uh, I do think it would have been a shame to throw narration there and make like, especially if that was coming from Jennifer Lawrence and having her try to like explain the performance she was right. giving, because I think that would have sure. really marred it. But I was actually pretty bothered by the opening because I completely mm. forgot about that. Um, but the fact that the first like 30 seconds is just like text on a sure. screen being like, hey, this is the premise of the, of the, the movie. Um, and it almost might have just been like the font. <laughs> I don't know. It just if it, it didn't feel it, it felt very like uh, we never explicitly explained this in the film. We probably need to give some background. Uh, Test audiences said it didn't um, make any sense. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I feel like there, I don't know what, I, I think there is so much smart exposition in the movie that you could have found some way to work that into an organic part of the movie early on. Well, I think, um, um, the, the, uh, the, uh, video that they play right before they do the reaping, mm -hmm. I mean, they give most of the exposition right there anyway. Yeah. I I was thinking about this. My my read on it, and and maybe yes, the opening was was put in after test audiences. But I felt like that opening—it's not even a crawl, but that opening text is is information. But then that video felt more like culture. It felt more like a, a cultural thing. Where okay, now you know what the now you know what the what the premise is. But this video is for the audience to see how the capital sells this to people. Sure, we're not. This isn't here to, I mean, yeah, it's in case you missed it the first time, here you go. But really, this is a, it's a propaganda video. And so kind of like, I think the boys, Alex, maybe had a few episodes like this where you would get Vought commercials that would kind of give you a, a little window into what's going on, but it would be from the perspective of this is how we're selling it to people. Sure. And so I really liked that um, in the, in, in, in the movie that it goes, here's the information and here's how within the world they're selling this this ridiculous horrible thing um it, it did I, at first i wondered if it was repetitive and i went oh i think that was the intent or at least that's how i received it yeah i, I think the movie's very well the this is, is about suzanne collins more it's it's interesting how the commentary is fairly clear not even obvious but just it's it's overt i don't mind that because again it's aimed at a, a younger audience um, but I, I, I certainly never caught that the world is called Panem, which one pan is like all, but Panem is Latin for bread as in bread and circuses. Oh, um, yeah. So I think that's where it, I think I knew that I, at some point, uh, but bibliography, Roger Ebert's review of this movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> where he cites that, uh, and now, so I was like, oh, all right, Suzanne, that's pretty good. That's cute. Um, and, and, and if any of it felt kind of thin to me, I felt like it's because I know there's three more movies. I was like, oh, well, it's thin because they're setting up. Hey, this is about how regimes and governments use entertainment to keep people in check while they destroy and lie to them. And we don't need to explore. We're not going to explain or explore that. We're going to explore how terrible that affects people. But we got three more movies where we actually dig into it. I would hope. I, I will find out if I feel that way. They do. Cool. Spoilers, they do. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, in some very interesting ways, I think. Um, nice. I guess I, I wanted to circle back to to uh, Gary Ross's direction um, because you know this is another thing. It's amazing how how much your opinion can change on a movie in in nearly a decade. Um, yeah. Kind of comp- I, like all of my comparisons for this are like based on my theater experience of like that's not like the book. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Um, so. Going into this, I remember being very irritated by the direction and specifically the camera work and the editing. I felt mm. that the movie was going too far um, in shying away from showing the violence so much so that it was kind of taking away the impact of what was happening. Rewatching it this time, not really at all. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it, it is very clear, like, that opening scene when, you know, when the game actually starts and everyone starts running to the cornucopia oh, to grab chilling. their weapons and, and she, yeah. oh. you know, Katniss is trying to figure out what to do. You do see like, it is quick cutting and stuff. You see violence. You see like yeah. kids getting grabbed and like being like stabbed and, and cleaved repeatedly. Like it's, it's horrible. Um, yeah. and I appreciate that, you know, they're able to somehow work around that because when I did watch it originally, I was like, Oh, are you guys just doing quick cuts to get it down to a PG 13? Like did this, did this get an R rating and you're editing it down to shy away from the violence? That, that was kind of the theory in my head. And you know, I think the movie does a nice job of leaving in the impact. Um, yeah. Well, also mm-hmm. not, you know, Britain to your point, it, it doesn't like live in it. It doesn't revel in it. Right. Right. Um, that, that, I remember when I saw it thinking, this movie doesn't have action, it has violence. Yes. And I like that. It's not thrilling, it's not fun, it's terrible, because it, it should be. Like right. we, sh- we, we should feel bad that this is happening. And, and for me, in terms of shaky cam and quick cuts, if it comes from a character place, I can give it a pass. I may not like it just as an aesthetic choice, but I can give it a pass. So like Batman Begins, you know, everyone likes to complain about how the action scenes are just a flurry of, you know, you can't tell what's going on. Um, And my defense for that is, well, most of those scenes is are, you know, Batman is showing up and scaring criminals and then beating them up. So it's supposed to be kind of edited from their perspective where it's they have no idea what's going on. Their friends are getting taken out, blah, blah, blah. Um, And in this, particularly that opening scene of, of the games, Katniss is like absorbing her environment. She's got like five seconds before everyone starts running. She is kids are getting killed left and right. She's got no idea what's going on. So the fact that the the camera work and the editing is super hectic and crazy, it fits. Yeah. Um. So it's hard for me to argue against that. <laughs> it does a nice job of creating, of putting us in her head and understanding how she's receiving the information while also still making the information clear to us as the audience. Right. So we are able to go, I know how Katniss is. I know how this looks to her, but I also, it is also still for me as the viewer. Right. Um, which is, it's a, it's a tough needle to, to thread. Um, so I, w- I wanted to talk about some of the other, uh, contestants and sure. mm-hmm. obviously a lot of these kids, we don't, uh, so so our, our the main ones we really talk about in the movie it's those four from 11 and 12 and then Rue and the guy from her district who was Thresh I'm sorry his name is Thresh, Thresh. that's awesome and he was awesome <laughs> I don't know if they actually say okay. his name in the and then 
Yeah, but that is what the internet gotcha. told me because I was looking him up because I was I had I had proposed to you guys that the movie would be pretty fun if uh, he won yes. at the end by killing Katniss <laughs> and Peter. <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere, <laughs> and you were like, and he said, eh, said only once, <laughs> he said just as once. And talking about the violence, kind of the main scene that we get of him is he shows up to save Katniss from yeah some lady Isabel Furman. um. And uh, he grabs her and s- slams her against the cornucopia yeah. a few times. And then we kind of cut away and just see her slump down. Um, and uh, it's, it's real good. Yeah. And real effective. So, so we focus on them and then Katniss and Peeta. I'm, I'm, are there any, in the book, are there any other contestants who they maybe explore, not just name, but explore more that are sort of sh- short shrifted in the movie? Or is it still pretty much that collection of characters? From what I remember, I think it's it's fairly accurate to the book. Um, I okay. think maybe when the cannons are yeah. firing and she's, you know, at night when she's seeing like the list of everyone that's that's fallen. Um, right. I think she might, you know, have some narration in her, in her head about like, oh, I remember this character from training and that character was doing gotcha. that. Yeah. There might be a little bit of that, but it's not like yeah. that didn't need to be in the movie. Sure. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Not something that you could have really translated yeah, gotcha. well. I think. Because I, I think there is more time that she spends. With sure. Drew, um, at, like you were talking about. Uh, because definitely in the movie it is. Rue Rue helps her. Uh, she goes and blows up all the food. Uh, after Rue tells her to use the mocking jays to find her, and then she finds her, and then yeah. Rue dies. <laughs> like. It's it's very much these are the actual plot points needed to have this be an emotional journey for right. for Katniss. Um, I think there is more of them trying to survive okay. together. Well, I um I, I kind of liked in a way that there were so many anonymous characters because mm-hmm. be, you know because those are teenagers, specifically younger teenagers. You just need to show me their face, and I'm I'm like no, I I feel it. I don't need to know the whole biography of this kid. I know he just got killed in a gladiator match. Like that's all I need. But I found it while I was watching. I was like, look, they did such a good job casting those 11 and 12s because they got a bunch of good actors. But look, Jack Quaid, my man, Jack Quaid, (laughs) Huey is in there. He, he kills superheroes. You know, he's dangerous. (laughs) Ken Ludwig is Kano. He's on Vikings. He fought a bear on that show. Nuh-uh. Uh, Isabel Furman, who Thrash kills, she's from the. She was orphan in Orphan, so she's got orphan powers or might be a witch. I haven't seen the movie. And then the other one is Levin Rambin. Her last name sounds like Rambo. How are we supposed to beat them? With berries and cunning. That's how. They don't use berries on them. That's a different plot point. It's with bees. <laughs> I. Are you, so are they who you're talking about when you say eleven? Yeah, uh, uh, Cato, Marvel, and the women, the ones who were hunting Katniss. The they're they're from I think ones oh and, ones and twos. One and I'm two. sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, Katniss. You're is right. From I reversed it. Ones and twos. 12, ones and twos. Then, yeah, because yeah, Rue and yeah, Thresh yeah. are from eleven. Okay, my bad. The ones that, the yeah, yeah. the I was kinda, you you threw me off when you said that earlier, and so I had to yeah. make sure. I'm that sorry. I, I meant the the rich the rich one. ones the ones and twos. Yeah. Yes. Um I also. The rich white yes, people. exactly. The rich white people who I thought it was very funny that three of them come or come from or would go on to uh, things where they get to be violent in other media. 
but I, I also, <laughs> and I just like Jack Quaid a lot. He just seems like a cool dude and I enjoy him as yeah. a performer and it was fun seeing him as a baby. Um, but I think they all do a really nice job of just being like bougie bullies, like especially mm-hmm. Ken Ludwig, um, who I enjoy. He has a career now. He was, he was a, a child actor in this movie called The Seeker, The Dark is Rising, I think. Was okay. Ah, was he also yeah. in I Am Number Four? No, that was Alex Pettifer. I think. Okay, that was oh, Operation okay. Stormbreaker. Alex, come on. Um, <laughs> How I think. Okay, if if somebody's gonna remember wow. the the Alex Ryder movie that bombed horribly, it would be me. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, Ken Ken Ludwig was the seeker, <laughs> and I'm sure he's done other stuff. He did this. That's fascinating. He's on Vikings. That is that is just such a like. Yeah from my my childhood right? brain yeah anyway. now he has a career out of being huge because he's a very big man um i thought he was really good in this and, and something I, I alluded to earlier at the end of the movie with him and Peta, it, it's this big grapple they're all standing out of the cornucopia the mean very mean dogs are barking at him and he's got Peta as a hostage he says something to katniss about i i want to die or just kill me this is all i am mm-hmm. i'm just a killer I I only realize now that I really just want to die. It was a really interesting perspective for me to have on that character that he's not just the bloodthirsty like oh I'm a I was raised to be a champ so I'm a champ and I gotta kill because I'm a winner. But that he has this moment at the end of like oh god I really just want to die because like my life has been about prepping me for violence. Right. And I kind of wish they had fleshed that out a little bit more. Is that something that's more explored in the book? Or or have I now just projected so much onto this to this character in that moment? I honestly can't remember. I yeah. I I I wanna say from what I remember, the book like makes him out to just be like an irredeemable bad guy. And sure. we don't get that moment of humanity at the end. I could be completely wrong on that. There could be yeah. more stuff. Yeah, no, no, I honestly true. do not remember. Okay. Yeah, because I I it was it was just an interesting moment where they didn't and it didn't feel like the movie was trying to I think humanity is, is the right word like they weren't trying to go wow don't you actually feel bad for him so much as they go even he is a person like the, he has also he is also a victim of this system in that he has been raised to perpetrate it yeah and what has that turned him into and he has this moment of realizing I'm I I am a monster well, in my own way I actually like the way it's kind of like we only get that at the end because the rest mm. of the movie he's surrounded by his friends he's surrounded by his 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 group um, yeah yeah so i like that at the end no he's he's that's the only way he can accept defeat is to basically open up his feelings and and be vulnerable um right i don't know i think that's neat they probably could have snuck in some kind of line of dialogue during the um the uh caesar uh show segment when all of them are getting mm. interviewed by him right before the games. Sure. Um, but aside from that, I don't, I don't know if they could have added any other okay. moments for him. Yeah. That, that's a good point. I also really liked all those interviews. I thought those were, yeah, it was like, they captured reality television contestants so well. Yeah. Cause that, like, that everything behind the scenes is so dour. And again, it's all so close up and tight and, and then they cut back and I don't know, everyone's just talking like they're on American Idol or something or like, or like they're about to go play the Super Bowl. And it was saying it was, the, the most, the most mundane, nothing. Yeah. You <laughs> like, know, proud to be uh, representing my district. Uh, it's a great honor. Yeah. It's a great honor. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it was it was all just really really well done. And and uh, talking of Gary Ross's direction, before I, just this is not necessarily relevant. Before I forget about it, I really liked that he had this attention to detail, even down to when Katniss and Peter go onto the train. He spends a lot of time in that scene focusing on the food, because they've made it so clear mm-hmm. that like they might get to eat a squirrel, maybe <laughs> like they are so poor, but now there's like powdered cakes and trays and serving dishes and all this stuff. And I thought that that again did a lot without them coming in and going, we never get to eat this. This is so fancy. Yeah. They, we just see them looking at it and we get everything. And there's also a great shot when uh prim Katniss's sister is called up that she, the, the, they showed the back of her head as she's walking up there and they pan down to show her tucking in the back of her shirt because like Katniss had taught her or reminded her to do earlier. And I was like, that's, that's a lot. That's so good. That's also <laughs> that's a really out of good the book. choice. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I just thought it was like done nicely where the, the way the camera just slowly pans down without making it a separate cut. Yeah. I just thought that was really well chosen. Yeah. Um, the music is also very good. I guess, do we want to just get into the, the, uh, romance or I guess half romance? Cause, uh, one side is actually uh, meaning right. it, and the other side's faking it. <laughs> yeah, that's for kind sort of. of. <laughs> in the book, and this is the main reason why I brought up the narration. As far as I remember, Katniss is faking the romance the whole time. Okay. And so she is talking about how she's playing it up for the cameras. And I, the movie is a lot more ambiguous about it, which I remember feeling like that was a problem when I first saw it. Although that might've just been, I don't like PETA very much. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But you get to the end of the movie and she's like, well, I guess we forget now. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to forget. So I feel like that's the only time when they really like, it's not quite definitive as to kind of what they're trying to get out of this, this pseudo romance. But um, yeah, I remember the, the, kind of interpretation of that being a little different between the two mm. the two versions. I don't I don't know if it ever is definitive in the book though cuz I think I mean I know that I'm pretty sure in the future entries that it becomes more of like an actual love triangle. Yeah. Hmm. I think um, it develops in in that, but I think for most of the first story I think she's playing it up for the cameras. I think I feel like the idea is, and I to me this came across in the movie is the idea that by the end she's kind of come around and is at least she cares about yeah. him. Yeah. Um, when I wondered if even some if, of that wasn't maybe it was more of like soldiers in the trenches, like we have bonded over yeah. this thing, we are keeping each other alive, and is it is it being expressed as romance, but it's actually this other thing. And I and I know that it's uh, it's not a love triangle. I don't think it's a love triangle as much as like Edward, Bella, and Jacob, but that we still kind of drifts into that um, area. Yeah. But um, that was kind of how I how I read it as like he definitely is into her. She's not really thinking about that right now. Yeah. But she is bonding with him and caring for him, and maybe she's able to find some sincerity in what she's playing up for the camera. Even if it's not romance, it's still affection. It's a different kind of, right. It's a layered thing. No, I agree. I also really like, okay, good. Go I was just going to say, I, I had no problem with it. Once again, I had no problem with that watching it this time around. So I guess, uh, the big takeaway from this episode is that teenager me was wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
little little whippersnapper <laughs> going into the Hunger Games. It's not a good adaptation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely remember feeling that way about the first Harry Potter movie being like, they left out something. I remember when they went in the Forbidden Forest being like, in the book, it was these characters, yeah. and in the movie, it was these characters. Mm-hmm. So therefore... And don't you like having, like, matured beyond that? And, like, yeah. isn't that how human growth is supposed to work? We mature a little bit, so, like, these things become more acceptable, and we're not constantly going on Twitter and complaining about these things? Guys, where'd everybody go? I thought go? season eight was pretty good. So <laughs> I, um, I, I read. Talking about Big Bang Theory, right? <laughs> yep. You know, really season eight is the natural endpoint of that show. And now allow me to do, <laughs> allow me to. They explain. dragged it way too far. Like, you know, if those showrunners had been smart, they would have said, you know what? This can sustain itself for eight seasons. Yep. We're going to target that and we're going to wrap it up in a way that, you know, really stays true to the show. Um, but they just dragged it out. If they had just cared enough. It just kept going. If they had just cared enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I love the comics it's based on. I know they'll never get finished. <laughs> um, but I, I, I also liked another moment of not minimalism, but uh, when when Hamish is watching Katniss suffer from the the burns, and he goes to network real quick. I liked how quick that was because it didn't feel perfunctory. It was all quiet. Yeah. And it was a little bit of music and you see him shaking some hands and you're like, oh, I get what he's doing. And then there's. Which once again, you don't see in the book or you don't, you yeah. don't read about it because um, it's sure. all from her point of view. Uh, and, and I liked how they, they, what that does is it further emphasizes that he, he knows the world that he's in and he's like, I own these people only help if we kind of play up to them. Right. Um, which I thought was really effective. And, and I've mentioned the music a few times. I liked that it was a James Newton Howard composed it. It was like folk music at times. Like it wasn't, I mean, there's, you know, big musical moments, but it's not like a big bombastic battle at the Smithsonian, <laughs> you know, kind of score. And then I saw that the music supervisor was T-Bone Burnett who's wonderful and once i realized that he had worked on the music i went oh well duh he did he worked on the soundtrack for like crazy heart a brother art thou inside lewin davis like he's brilliant with this kind of stuff and there's clearly there's not like song songs until the end of the movie or to the to the credits but yeah i thought the music throughout the movie did and some of it was just how they faded in and out of it just the sound design i thought was was effective um because I think Alex, how you're talking about a lot of this is coming from your experience watching as a teenager with the and familiar with the books. A lot of mine is coming from a sort of social bias against YA dystopian stories, sure. And assuming they're mm-hmm. all going to be overwrought soap operas, and seeing this and going, "Oh no, this is actually much more sincere. There's a lot more merit in how it's made. Um, there, there's something more uh, stylistic, maybe. I don't know." Um, no, it, it is interesting because right as the around the time that I was getting into the books for this um, was around the time that the the Twilight movies were coming out. And, you know, the stigma for that sure. started immediately. And I, you know, even yeah. back then I was like, oh, those are trash. I don't care about that. And somehow I gravitated to Hunger Games. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I know what you mean. I mean, because 
that was happening and then hunger games was such a huge hit that it was like well then let's make all these other ones and not put in the same type of work and care and yeah well meanwhile the other fantasy ya series that actually had potential like your aragons or or Mm. in some ways your alex riders you know those types of things they already got butchered and nobody cared about them uh what was it percy jackson yeah i was gonna say percy jackson for sure um because i know there are people who now love his work i was gonna say now he's getting a disney plus deal oh wow where he's supposed to be making that which uh makes me happy yeah because uh netflix did a good adaptation of another botched ya uh adaptation which was the series of unfortunate events oh sure we live in a time where these things can get their justice and that makes me feel good which i never once again tyler and i are still standing firm by our uh our our second go at harry potter in about 10 years time (laughs) <laughs> well maybe directed by david benioff and D. look it is I... all right there and they can make our our flaming narwhals uh <laughs> dream come true by changing look, the ending. who owns the harry potter film films warner brothers which streaming service does warner brothers happen to own guys it's all right Crackle. there you have it. It's in the palm of your hand. Cut the fat that is the Fantastic Beasts movies and do this. <laughs> Would we rather Benioff and Weiss do that or have them do Aragon? Both. Simultaneously. Okay, that would actually be really good. I'd be, I'd be really on board. See, I pair Benioff and Weiss with shows that I know... I don't... Have I, have I voiced... <laughs> have I voiced my opinion about how they should do the Avatar remake? Uh, I don't think, I think so. Just because on on the podcast specifically, we've talked. About oh, I don't know this. if you have a podcast. Have, I have talked. With this. Um, I this is I am convinced that they should do this because it will make everybody very angry. But then they'll do a really good job, and everyone will be like, "Okay, this is you know maybe it's because they have something that they're just adapting, and so it works." But then uh, at the end, they'll do uh, the, they'll switch it so that um, Katara ends up with Zuko. And then everyone will get mad again. It'll be great. It'll be so good. Trust me, Netflix. <laughs> you want to do this? Um, <laughs> we got off on such a tangent there. I would really love to see them do an Aragon series. I don't. I don't know what's going on with that, but that would be they. They'd be the right choice for that. Anyway, um, one one scene I did want to ask about because this is where I feel like some exposition or an explanation as to what's going on really is needed. They keep cutting back to the scene where something has happened to Katniss. She's like laying on the ground. She's weak. And Peta is being like verbally abused by his mother. And he's throwing out right. the burnt bread um, to their, to their livestock. And he gives her a loaf of bread. And that's supposed to be the first kind of emotional connection of them, uh, of them. And the, thus making it kind of weird when both of them are paired together to go to the games. Um, yeah. they, his mother, whose name was Javette. <laughs> of course. Because she she hates things involving loaves of bread. <laughs> um, I did want to ask, because I can't remember, I don't think in the movie they clearly state what Katniss is doing there. Yeah, I never really got that either. I think the idea in the book is that like that was a point where her family was nearly starving and they didn't have anything. And she was like trying to scrounge together something for her family. And she like stumbled over weak. And PETA came to help her. 
I think that's gotcha. it. Gotcha. But it's not established in the movie. I, that that yeah. sounds right. Well, there was also there was stuff, and I think the movie ultimately explained it with her dad having died because he was a coal miner, and there was an explosion. Yeah. And then her mom, I guess, sort of shut down. That was something where I was like, okay, I think I get all the the information here, but there's a little bit of. I think the movie does a decent job at condensing that stuff because that's not ultimately what the story's about. The story's about sure. what happens at the games and kind of the inner machinations thereof. I think, gotcha. you know, kind of breezing through, here's Katniss's backstory, here's what her home life is like, we'll get, once again, to your point, Britton, we've got three more movies, we will get back right. to this, we promise. <laughs> sure. Most I, I, most I, of Catching Fire, if I remember correctly, is is a mix of expanding on the f- familiar w- relations in District 12 and the political mm. stuff. Like, I think okay. most of Catching Fire is like, all right, remember all this stuff that was kind of interesting in the last one? Well, now it's the focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I I liked how when, when she she's having this conversation with Gail at the beginning, and he keeps saying these hopeful things like, well, you know, if we didn't have to have the Hunger Games, or if people didn't watch, well, they're going to. Yeah, but if they didn't, they're going to. And mm-hmm. I really liked that, because again, a lot of movies would there be someone would go, "You're such an optimist." Well, is it optimism? And then they would talk they would explain each other to the audience. Or if you really wanted romantic dialogue, he would admit to supporting a fascist dictatorship. And then she would be <laughs> sure. like, "I'm going to make out with you now." Hey. But I um little little peek into Alex's history. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Look, I mean, George Lucas dialogue. I mean, a man <laughs> after my own heart. <laughs> oh, that was what you were... Okay, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know what you were referencing. My, my bad. For some reason, I was thinking you were referencing Rise of Skywalker, and I was like, there's not a conversation like that. But no, Can it not be both? I, I see. Can we not retroactively? <laughs> both, I guess. <laughs> but I liked how, again, the movie was showing us and not telling us. Sure. They were like, we can just have... We can have these characters being themselves, and they don't need to... It, it, I don't know. They don't need to constantly be restating their motivations to each other because they already know that. But we're getting to witness it through the dialogue. Yeah. I don't know. It's like when you see you see movies and people come in and they're like, "Hey, how's the new head of marketing doing? Pretty good." Well, it's your first week. I should hope it's going well. Yeah, <laughs> it's all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's I just interesting the- how none of this feels like cynical in terms of an adaptation. It feels like everyone is there to do the work and to actually like make it a fulfilling version of the story. It's, it's quite different from a lot of other adaptations that we've reviewed aside from just the botched YA adaptations that we will never touch because I am not watching the Maze Runner movies. You still can't convince me that they ended. Um, I was going to say, speaking of that, uh, and everyone kind of bringing their all, uh, I want to go back to talking about Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. uh, giving her best performance in this film, because I, I really do think that, um, I'll have to, I'll be curious to see if I feel like she maintains that or exceeds or maybe falls short of that in the next few movies. But, um, one scene that I, I thought was really, really well done was, uh, her trying out in front of all the capital bigwigs yeah. uh, as part of her kind of training to get to get her score. Yeah. Um, she it's an entire a scene where she does not speak once, 
Uh, oh, no, sorry. She does at the very end. We'll talk about that in a second. But she shows up. She's She looks, she introduces herself. She looks around. They're completely ignoring her. They don't think that she has anything to offer. Um, and she shoots the, her target that's in front of her dead on. She's like, what? You know, no one's reacting to this. Um, and just the way she expresses through her body language and expressions, like she doesn't have to say under her breath, Oh, why aren't they, why aren't they paying attention to me? Right. Oh, it's cause they don't think they don't believe in me. They don't think I, it doesn't have to have any of that. It's just her like reacting to them that you can see the frustration. It's not, I mean, it, it's, it's subtle. It's well done. And then she shoots the arrow through, um, the apple in the pig's mouth, which is great because there's a little payoff to that later on when she uses the apples hanging on top of the basket to blow up all the food uh, that the the rich white dudes have assembled. <laughs> um, and uh, and then she does her bow and says, "Thank you for your consideration." Uh, and the way she delivers that, the way she the her body language of the bow, she walks away and then like comes back and drops the bow down. Which I, I for some reason a part of me wants to say that that is like an accident that they ended up going with. Um, I feel that that feels like something dredged in my conscience that that was or consciousness. That was a like film mistake. I could be wrong. That could have been <clears throat> something Gary Ross wanted her to do. Um, but she like forgets her bow and comes back and drops it. And so there's this really striking shot of the bow just sitting there yeah. uh, to end the scene. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, there is a lot of really great understated stuff that she does in this film. Um, and I feel like a lot of her other really strong or really well, highly praised performances uh, have her talking a lot and doing an accent. <laughs> and I I just can never like it, it never quite feels believable to me. Um, did you have to? I felt this way. But go ahead. Sorry. Go, go ahead, you finish your thought. I was going to say Winter's Bone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt that way. What is the one where she plays the broom sales lady? Joy. Joy. Yes. Felt kind of similar about Joy. Um, yeah, did she do an accent in Silver Linings Playbook? I can't remember. I don't like think a Philadelphia so. thing or okay, okay. But she, um, in American Hustle, I think she had to do like a some kind of broad Bronx Bronx thing or something. Yeah, she's. If I remember correctly, she's not great in that movie. Although I didn't like that movie very much to begin with. So. I also felt that way. <laughs> that not about her, but I mean, the, I wasn't a fan of that movie, despite it sure. starring some wonderful people. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I feel like she's doing a lot in other movies and not because, I mean, that's, she's doing a lot because she was told to do it. Right, right. But, uh, this one, I think she, she works really well. Um, and to me is, is the most impressive she's been in anything I've seen her in. I would definitely like to rewatch Winter's Bone and Silver Linings because I just didn't absorb Winter's Bone very much when I saw it. Um, and Silver Linings Playbook, I, I, I liked, I, I thought. Cooper was really good in that. But um similarly I just I don't it's been a long time since I've seen either movie and I think that those are the two that I liked as movies as well. She actually hasn't done anything since Dark Phoenix, which I know was only 2 years ago. But she also there was just a pandemic and she probably was yeah. like, "You know what? I've got my money. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of being famous cuz everyone's mean to me. <laughs> I'm going to just like chill." Um but yeah, I think she's great in this and uh talented, talented lady. I really need to rewatch Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. I think I'm I really need to re-examine the nuances in her performance as a lady who does not want to get out of the makeup chair. 
Well, I should yeah, rephrase that. She when... never wanted to get in the makeup chair to begin with. Yeah, but I mean, when you have a text that layered and that it, it calls you, she felt called to that text every day. Come, it's about the craft in the piece, Alex. I'm doing a lot of pretentious actor gestures, listeners. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> things that someone would do on Oprah. Uh, I like to imagine that they wrote her a check literally every day she was on set. She would constantly yeah, like per diem. They'd, they'd be putting on the blue makeup and she'd be like, why am I doing this again? And somebody would just like <laughs> out of frame, just hand her a check. And she'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, Eric, I... no, you have a family. You have Charles. You have me. Now go kill Oscar Isaac. I mean, Apocalypse. I forgot that we reviewed Apocalypse on the show. <laughs> Consistently forget that we did that I'm movie. I'm pretty sure most of the Fair. planet has forgotten Apocalypse at this point. Some people move on, but not, not us. us. Um. <laughs> Woody Harrelson is also good. I like him. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, not, not a, a super difficult role for somebody like him, just because he's such a gifted performer, but he does a good job. <laughs> he's just going to say, just because he's drunk. Yeah, he's <laughs> such a loser. Um, no, because he's a wonderful actor. But yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman for, is in the next For Venom movie. 2, uh, Let There Be Carnage, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because... He'll get to see Woody okay. Harrelson. Um, Does Woody Harrelson drunk on violence and power? At what point did Woody Woody Harrelson start using like really bad wigs? Is this the first time that that happened, or is that like, do we have like almost like a trilogy of bad wigs? Like, I want to know. What's the other one? What am I? What am I not? Venom. Of? No, but are you saying there? What? What's the trilogy? What's the? third? No, I'm saying like in terms of franchises or, or you know so, something oh, separate. He, he, from he's Hunger looking Games for the third. Uh, not explaining myself very well. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, Britton. I ran over a very, a probably very good tangent about Philip Seymour Hoffman. So oh, also, <laughs> Phil, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in the next movie, and so is mm-hmm. one of my favorite actors. I think one of America's best actors, Jeffrey Wright. Are you kidding me? I'm so mm-hmm. excited to see him. Oh, I forgot yep. about that. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, I believe he's in the he's in the rest of the series. I could be wrong. Yeah, and they had um, because I want to say they had he, to pull. Um, he, if I remember correctly, they had to pull a Carrie Fisher with his uh, the last one where they kind of. That's what I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think they, had, I think they had more. Yeah, but I think they had more yeah, footage they, of him than. Yeah. Uh, he was. Okay. They were still able to to have him in the role, but I I remember that being a big thing that yeah. he had just passed away before the movie. I came remember out. that working out a lot better than it did with Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to. See, I, mean, I know there's a bunch of actors, kind of Jenna Malone and and other other folks, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of Donald Sutherland. I like him a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's got. There are some one-on-one scenes between him and Jennifer Lawrence that like it's awesome. The dynamic between cool. the two of them. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say one more thing that bothered me in this film is that uh, this this has nothing to do with anything we've just talked about. Um. They drop the cannon shots uh, for, like, a solid 20 minutes, and it very much bothered me. In between, I'm trying to remember what, because I was thinking about this as I was watching it. Um, In between, uh, crap, who, there, there's someone who dies. Oh, no, it's, it's the girl that is, that starts the fire, and so then the, the ones and twos find her. Oh, yeah. Um, And they 
they find her and Kat- Katniss realizes this and then she hears the gunshot after she screams or the cannon shot after she screams. And then we don't, there are like three or four people who die before they use the cannon shot for somebody hmm. else. And I realize you could be saying that she's not hearing things, but that bothered me because I feel like that's impactful and it's like a good, like, yeah. confirm the kill. Right. <laughs> like, R- remind audience, yeah. you know now. Remind the, and remind the audience of the stakes as well. Just like keep that, yeah. that alive. Huh. Yeah. That that annoyed me because they don't do it for the girl who dies when she gets shot or shot, um, stung by all the, oh, the tractor yeah. jackers. Yeah. Uh, and they don't do it for I think they don't do it for Rue or for Jack Quaid's character. I don't think um, so. Or the guy who gets his neck snapped. Yeah, I don't think they do it for him either. And then uh, I was gonna say they they wanted to pay Jack Quaid the proper respect by by not shooting the cannon, and you know everyone else is just like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess it's fine. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually <laughs> I, I like to no it's it's an audio glitch they're just they, they keep pressing the button over and over again and then when eventually it gets fixed you just hear like a thousand <laughs> cannons <laughs> go off <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I want that kind of Hunger Games uh, but every time someone dies it's an air horn <laughs> Kato getting mauled by the wolves at the end. <laughs> I do like how at the end they have Toby Jones doing the announcement like three times. Congratulations. Only one of you can survive. Never mind. Both of you can survive. <laughs> Are we sure that not just one of you can survive? Okay. I really You're like both the- surviving. I really like all the details and, and circling back to Tyler, just the, the world building and, and kind of just the way the game is set up. It, it's such a simple idea, but it works so, so well. And just the ways that, that they manipulate it and they set up that the capital has like this super advanced technology so they can have weird things like this super crazy fire or the tracker jackers or, or you know, yeah. we, we don't like the, the beasts at the end, um, but... <laughs> But like they have them just come out of the ground like daisies. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the fact that they can just like so easily call them off at the end. Um, right. Yeah, it's just it's just like a really really neat premise. It's one yeah. of those things where you look at it and you're like, I feel like I should have thought of that. That's a really cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. Does that mean we're ready for letter grades? I think so. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I'm just gonna go A. I, I just I A minus almost might be like I don't know. It, it, for some reason, A minus doesn't sound as right to me as as A, even if it's a little high. I'd rather go higher. Um, it just really impressed me. I was more affected by it than I think I would have otherwise expected. And everything we've said, I think just the basic movie stuff. It looks good. I like the performances. You know. So, I, the fire looks really silly in a lot of places, but like whenever this movie, but the movie relies so much more on other effects that it uses to greater effect. So, uh, a minus does sound right to me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a minus. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's very very solid. Um, even very very good. Uh, there's just a few things kind of with the budget restrictions and then <clears throat> some of the the tensions of adapting. Um, that I do think it lost a little bit, uh, sure. but overall, a really effective movie. 
Um, I guess I'll go the lowest. Uh, I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, most of it just comes down to the production value and some of the, the cheap effects and stuff. Um, that, that kind of really brings it down, particularly the, the uh, creatures at the end. I, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's very, very rough. Um, sure. You know, back to Britain's point, some things that they could have probably altered a little bit or enhanced um, to make it a little more powerful um, and some stuff they could have, you know, probably cut out maybe a bit more. Um, but overall, really solid start. And it is one of those cases where I remember how high I think the rest of the franchise gets with the, the next mm. couple. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of giving myself that that wiggle room. <laughs> gotcha. Sure. Exciting. I, this is one of those times where, like, immediately after the podcast, I won't do this, but it's like, I want to start catching fire, like, right now. Yeah, same. No, I do, too. But I know I'll forget about it. In that's, a week, so. uh, that's pretty dangerous, Alex. Probably <laughs> outside if you're going to catch fire, I would recommend. Um, he just There are probably videos on YouTube you can look up to, like, figure out how to do that. Tyler, if I go manner, outside, it's manner. just the ocean. <laughs> well, then you'll be safer. <laughs> yeah. It also Alex, won't work. Alex is like, and you're having a great night. Shoom! And just self-immolates. <laughs> um, well, here's to a good episode, boys. Where'd my matches go? <laughs> I, um, so I uh, don't have a f- new, fresh recommendation this week. I have a... Uh, I'm fortifying a past recommendation. I watched The Mitchells versus The Machines. Ah. And it's the best movie of 2021 so far, as far as I'm concerned, of the four that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really, really good. I thought it was... I don't have a whole lot to add to what Tyler said. Um, <clears throat> it's it's very touching. It's very, very funny. And uh, yeah, ev- everything about it worked. Loved the way it looked, loved the way it sounded, loved the way it felt and made me feel. Um, that voice cast, just looking through all the names, mm-hmm. is really a treat. And if a movie's Alex, end credits can get me kind of choked up, you know they're doing sure. something right. Um, I just thought it was really terrific. Mike Rianda, uh, who also performs in the movie very, very uh, humorously, mm-hmm. uh, and co-director Jeff Rowe, really, really knocked it out of the park. I think it's a really stellar picture that I highly uh, second that recommendation. Sorry, I was just going to say, Alex, did I mention to you that the father is Danny McBride? No, you did not. I know you're a fan. I know you're a fan of McBride. Yeah. So. Maya Rudolph is the mom. Very funny. You're you're a, you're a fanny McBride. It was there. <laughs> I had to. Um, it's the only of, it's the only reason of... I I gave Alien Covenant a higher grade than you. Danny McBride <laughs> has lines. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, great movie. Uh, Alex, did you have a? A thing uh i'm gonna reiterate past couple of my recommendations um just watching more of the wire started season two it's still good and uh mayor of east town there's one episode left and it's still good there you go i'm, I'm just for some <laughs> um, reason I'm, I'm in a i'm in a, a gritty crime drama mood or something i don't know nice uh i don't have a specific recommendation um 
Britain, I'm, you made a joke earlier about the Big Bang Theory being based on comics that would never be finished, and I'm glad you did, because you reminded me of something that I feel like we need to address, and I don't know if either of you guys Tyler, are aware of this news. don't tell me you've um, binged Bing ba- Big Bang Theory since we yeah, saw Yeah, my last. recommendation this week is... <laughs> Big you Big have Big a Big child! No, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... <laughs> it's the only thing he'll watch. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swing the tone hard here, because, um... Uh, Kentaro Mura, I don't know if, either, if that name means it thing to either of you um he is a manga manga creator um who passed away this week he was actually he was only 54 oh um he created berserk uh, and actually was still working on it he'd been working on it for had three decades now um and he is a huge influence or he he was a huge influence on um i guess continues to be on a lot of video games and other manga and stuff like that um dark souls i'm a huge fan of and he's like he basically created the aesthetic that the creators of dark souls would go on to to really drive into um final fantasy is another apparently he he, because the berserk stars a character who has a giant sword and apparently that was a big influence on uh like cloud from final fantasy and yeah that sort of thing um so like a lot of people that i follow and, and kind of uh i guess listen to um have been talking about him and, and how much of a loss that is. Uh, the fact that he didn't get to finish his kind of magnum opus. Um, and uh, I've read the first dark horse publishes berserk in these big fancy hardcover volumes. I've read the first volume. I have the first volume um, and I like it quite a bit. I plan to continue reading it uh, eventually. Um, it's kind of up in the air if anybody will ever actually take over to finish, but apparently it leaves, it leaves off in a fairly, solid place to to end the story um but my recommendation would be just to go look up about uh, a little bit about um what people are saying about his passing and and the influence he had on him um just kind of look him up and see if you can find some interviews or people talking about him because i guarantee that if you are anyone who kind of is in that sphere of you enjoy video games even comics, things like that, you'll probably find people who are really affected by his passing. And, and he is probably someone who has had a greater influence on things that you enjoy than you realize. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to, to throw that out there. Um, I don't know that the, that Berserk would be for everybody. Uh, it's pretty violent. It's, it's, it's kind of gory and, and crazy. Um, I think it's pretty cool, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily want to recommend that to people, but I would say, look him up, um, try to, familiarize yourself with him a little bit because uh he's probably um an unsung hero in something that you enjoy or sure. so i'm gonna have to look him up then because that is a. Uh, I think i knew his name but i didn't know that that's that scope of his effect that's all that's mm-hmm. interesting well yeah is there anything else boys or are we ready to to go <laughs> alex do you have your flame retardant suit ready you know it <laughs> um tyler where can they find us uh you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. I apologize for not knowing how to follow up Tyler's beautiful recommendation <laughs> and making the energy weird. <laughs> um, so we, we that was lovely, and I didn't with... want to like, I didn't know how to, oh, what to say.
I mean, I, I think the energy's, you know, basically the same as, as how we began, which is to say, we have no <laughs> idea what's happening right now. I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. Uh, and you're having a pretty good night.